wondrous God. We've come to praise Him. Come to bless Him. Batteries, they just don't cooperate sometimes. Okay, we're in the book of Hebrews. Find Revelation and go backwards a little bit if you're having any problem, and you'll find it. Chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews. Microphones. There we go. All right. Hebrews chapter 12. And I would like to read to you verse 9. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 9. I say it's up to me. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us. And we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. I want to work for a little while on being subject to the highest power. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. You know, in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 2, there's a very, I'd like to call it famous passage of Scripture. For some of us, it's all famous. But in this particular passage of Scripture in Luke 2 and 51, keeping in mind that to be subject is to be under the power of and yielding obedience to. And we're talking about the being in subjection to the Father of Spirits. The Bible teaches that, we've covered this a few times, how that the family, that would be Mary, the mother of the flesh, and as supposed, his father, Joseph, and then brothers and sisters were yet to come, and whoever was there in the group, but in the group, somebody was missing. They had gone to Jerusalem, and it was uh, a time to, to do certain business appointed by the law, the word of God, and they 
had gone, and it was also a time of getaway, a little break, and so they were having a good time, and they were moving along and heading back home. They suddenly realized that there was one missing from their number. Now, sometimes that happens. Sometimes people leave somebody behind. Maybe they don't mean to, but it happens. And uh, I remember somebody going to New Jersey one time. And they told us about having stopped for something on the turnpike, pulled away, left their son, one of their sons, one of their children. Maybe they were in the restroom or something, and they just all piled in the car and took off and realized down the road, hey, where's so-and-so? They did a head count, and they were one short. So they had to make a U-turn and come back, and he was just standing there <laughs> looking at them like, how could you? You know. So, uh, But sometimes those experiences happen to people, and it's uh, not pleasant, and nobody meant to, and sometimes some people feel bad about it. Well, in this case... You know, Joseph and Mary hopped on their brand-new donkey, and they were headed <laughs> down the road, and uh, they suddenly realized that Jesus wasn't there. You know, you've got to be careful in your hustle and your bustle and your comings and your goings and your plans uh, that you have left Jesus out, that he's not in your midst, that he's not a part of what you're doing. You might want to think about that, okay? I'm pretty sure that you want Jesus to be a part of everything you're doing. I'm, I feel confident that you want him to be the head of everything and that you can thereby come to him with confidence a boldness, a confidence that uh, everything's okay because you've, you're working with him, you're consulting with him. You're in subjection to him. I have had some occasions where I wanted certain things to be accomplished and to be done, and I've had the Lord to say to me, well, do you want me to do it? Or do you want to do it? And, you know, after a while, and you come to that place in growth, and you're like, I want you to do it. I'm going to pull back the reins, and I'm, I'm going to put the brakes on a little bit, and I'm going to wait on you. I want your answer. I want your plan. I want you to work it out how it's best to work out. You know, if I take the lead, more than likely, I'm going to regret some things. But if I wait on you, if I listen, if I subject myself, put myself obediently under your power, then I know that everything's going to be all right. Everybody said amen. So Joseph and Mary, they come back to Jerusalem. They're in a sweat now because there's a lot of people in Jerusalem. It's a feast time. People have come from all over the known world to worship and uh, it's crowded. It's jam-packed. And they're looking 
for one. Now, we live in a very crowded world. We live, we live in a world of, you know, over 6 billion, going pretty close to 7 billion people, and projected not too far from now to be 11 billion people, the present rate of growth. And uh, that's a heap of a bunch of people, you know. And um, we must realize that in the busyness of everything that's going on, the busyness of life and the hustle and the bustle and the activity of things, that it's very easy to get caught up in things to where we can lose the most precious thing if we're not careful. And they did. What could be more precious than having the Christ? <laughs> you know? He wasn't just an ordinary young man. He was extraordinary. He was, he was the Christ. As they said in one place, we are sure that thou art the Christ. And uh, I'm not sure if Joseph and Mary at this point were exactly clear on, I don't believe they were, on just what they had. And you know, sometimes in our infancy, we're not exactly clear of what all God has given to us. When you repent of your sins, and subsequently you are then baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness or the remission or the full pardon of all of your sins. And then God so graciously fills you with the gift, His gift, the gift of Christ, the Holy Ghost. He fills you with that Spirit of His. Gives you that gift, the gift of God. And it comes by grace. God's favoring. God's favoring you. And now you're born again of water and spirit. Of water because you're baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ and coming up out of the water. You're born again of water. We bury the old sinful nature that you've just repented of all the things you've done wrong and said wrong and thought wrong. And it doesn't pay to skip over anything or hide anything because you got a chance to get it all taken care of. So it's just best to cough it all up and let the Lord know that, okay, I realize that I, I absolutely did this wrong and did this wrong and did that wrong and did the other wrong. And uh, I want to I wanna make it right. I'd like to make it right. And uh, so it's a good time. I often tell how that I, I was told by my pastor to, that I needed to repent. Now, the old me would have said, well, I already did this and I already did that and I already got that all covered. You know, I had all the answers. But there was a little change taking place in my life, maybe a big change. And I just said, I just subjected myself to what he said. And that night I jumped in the vehicle and went down to the college I hopped the fence and went out in the middle of a field, dark, late at night, and I began to repent again. And you know, I had the most amazing experience because God started to talk back to me, and he started digging me up, and he started reminding me of very specific things. And boy, I started, whew, yes, Lord, okay, that one too, please forgive me. And by the time I get done with that one, he'd remind me of another one, and he was, he was, I felt like a punching bag, and I was getting the treatment, you know. 
But it was good to get that all out. It was good to get all of that hidden stuff out and have the opportunity to be forgiven. A good repentance. A full repentance. 100%. Not, no holding back. And from there then, you're born again of, of water when you're baptized after you've repented. And as we bring you up out of the water, as I said, we're burying the old nature, the old Egyptian nature, the worldly nature, the carnal nature. And we're getting rid of all that sin. And now we're, we're coming to God with the heavens opened over us to receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. So we can be born again of the Spirit. Born again of water, baptized in Jesus' name. Born again of the Spirit, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And as you read in the Bible, you want that exact experience that they got in the very beginning. This is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And his church is not changing anything. We are holding steadfastly. We are cleaving to the message of truth that has been entrusted to us. You know, and so it, you, it's being given to us, and it's don't lose it. Don't lose it. Don't let anything dilute this or water it down or change it or steal it from you or you give it away, give it up. Don't let that happen. It's, it's important that as the body of Christ that we show that we have the faith and we have the patience of holding on to what is godly and righteous. And no matter what the pressure, whether it's family or friends or on the job or just the overall generic pressure of the world, Satan working through the world, he has a plan. The old beast has a plan. And he's, he's going to bring it up out of a sea of people, an ocean of people. And he's going to certainly think to change and is changing times and laws and all kinds of ways that people are thinking. He wants people to think according to his plan. He, he wants people to reject God's word. He wants people to go opposite God's word. And the church isn't going to do that. The body of Christ is not going to do that. We are in subjection to the Father of Spirits. And when Joseph and Mary, they woke up and they said, you know, the best place to find him is in church. Let's go to church. And so they headed for the church. House. It's nice to know that your child is in church. Nice to know that that's where they're at. And that you don't have to worry or be concerned because they're involved. They're connected. They're in subjection to the church. They want to do what the church is teaching God's word. They don't, they don't want to be disobedient. They want to be willingly obedient. And everybody said amen. And so they found him in the church house. And when they, more or less his mother just, you know, why, why did you do this? <laughs> Why have you dealt with us in this manner? And uh, we've been very upset. We've been sorrowing. We're crying. We're so concerned and so worried. You know, history kind of teaches that he was 
probably not quite 13 yet, and he was on the missing persons list, you know, and uh, wow. And so they, he told them, he said, well, I, I must be about the business of my father. Well, they knew that Joseph wasn't the father. People supposed he was. But Mary knew what the angel told her, that that which is conceived in you is of God's Holy Spirit. God has spoken the word over you, just like he said, let there be sun, moon, and stars, and many other such things in creation. So he spoke the word, and that which happened in your life was supernatural. She even had said to the angel, How, how's this going to happen? I'm not involved with anybody. I'm a good girl. I'm waiting. I'm about to be engaged and be married to a man named Joseph. So I, I don't have anything going on like that. I'm clean. And that's where the angel said, no, the power of the highest is going to overshadow you. And the word will be spoken from on high. And you, you will bring forth a son. And by the way, you should call him Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. And this had to be a little bit overwhelming. Had to, had to uh, test Mary's faith a little bit, I would say. You know, some people would be like, yeah, right. You know, uh, just filled with unbelief. And, but Mary, Mary yielded herself to the presence of God. It's always good when according to chapter and verse and subject matter, we're yielding ourselves to God. That we're in subjection. We, we let parents and guardians and authorities in our life, bosses on the job, whatever, we, uh, we subject ourselves. After all, we want to get that paycheck at the end of the week, right? And so, you know, we, we're working with things, shall we say. But the writer said how much they do that you know, cause, so they can get a profit and their business can be successful or other such things for their pleasure, for their well-being, for their gain. But he said, how much more shall we be in subjection to the Father of spirits, to the one who is above all and through all and in you all, to the eternal God, the former of all things. All right? And so, this young child, Jesus, said goodbye to the doctors of the law and to those that were teachers and professionals. And he had answered questions and asked questions that left them with their jaw slack and wondering, what is this? But the parent, Mary, and the supposed father, Joseph, in appealing to him, the Bible said here in the second chapter of Luke, when Jesus said, How is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. That's us. There are things that are being taught, things that are being communicated to us from the word of God. And maybe we're at a place in life well, we're just not quite getting it, okay? We're just not seeing the big picture. We're not understanding. It did say in the Scripture in another place it said, 
had the princes of this world known, they never would have done what they did. They wouldn't have beaten them, and they wouldn't have crucified them had they known. You know, had they known. Who better to have known, though, than those that were raised on the book, that were the people of the book? But somehow, somehow they listened to the wrong voices. Reminds you of Jeremiah's day when God is telling Jeremiah to tell the people that the Chaldeans are coming, those from Babylon, and, and they're going to take you back to Babylon, and you're to go. You're to go. Seventy years, you're to go. And uh, at the end of 70 years, God said through the prophet that I'll visit you, and I'll bring you home. But you, some things have gone wrong, and you're going to have to pay some price now. And, of course, there were those that rose up among and were trying to shout Jeremiah down. And they were saying, oh, no, everything's going to be peace. There's not going to be any famine. There's not going to be any sword. There's not going to be any Chaldean. There's not going to be any problem. <laughs> well, the problem came when, uh, when it came to pass, when that mighty army of Babylon showed up. And then God's word that he spoke through the prophet Jeremiah came to pass. And that's what makes a difference between the, the wannabes and the genuine. And that is the Jer what Jeremiah said, it came to pass. And, and God said, they're prophesying lies in my name. And so he said, in other words, their, their time of punishment is coming. Now, church family, we've got to find ourselves a place of subjection. We've got to find some confidence in what's right. And we've got to stick with it. Even if it means, you know, us having to take a back seat or to sit down or to maybe admit we're wrong. Me? Wrong? No way. <laughs> uh, yeah, way. <laughs> yes. We, we, it's easy for us, if we're not careful, to be deceived and to be misled and to put our faith in the wrong thing. You know, there were people that put their faith in a ship. It was called the Titanic. And somebody said, this is a ship that God can't sink. Oh, boy. Somebody should have clamped that guy's mouth and said, shut up. Don't talk like that. Well, there's some people that need a good hand over their mouth, all right. And they need to quit talking. They need to quit saying things. They need to quit provoking God. Do we provoke God? Are we stronger than him? No. No. So, you know, we gotta we gotta be humble here. We gotta wake up to some things. We gotta be in subjection. Come on, you know good and well, I have seen guys that are, you know, six foot six and weigh 300, over 300 pounds, and, and they're ferocious, and maybe they play a sport, and they, they level people, they pancake people. Uh, you just don't want to mess with them. When in comes this little bitty grandma, and she says, boy, you obey me, and that big old guy just, okay, grandma, okay, grandma. <laughs> And, you know, all those other guys are looking at him, you know, and he's like, 
You just don't say nothing. I'll get you. But right now, I got to listen. Got to listen to Grandma. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we got to. We've got to be in subjection, church family. There's got to be a voice of authority. I remember telling somebody, they live in another state, far away from here, and uh, I told them, you, you need somebody in your life that can tell you to stop and go no further and that you will obey. And until you get that, you're not, you're not going to be successful not going to work and you, you're endangering making it and getting the gift of eternal life in the final analysis we've got to be in subjection we've got to bring ourselves willingly best to be willingly right because you know God can give you a whooping and get you to be obedient that's why I like to when I pray I like to tell the Lord I want to do this willingly. I don't want a whooping. <laughs> I'd rather just say, okay, God, okay, help me to hear what it is you're saying and what your will is and what you want, and I want to yield to it. I, I don't want to fight with you. I don't want to fuss with you. I don't want to take a different, a difference, have a difference with you. I don't want that. You're greater. You're stronger. You're mightier. You're the holy one. I want to be in subjection to the Father of Spirits. He's the creator of it all, church family. It's, it's, it's His church. It's His work. It's His world. Bigger than that, you know, it's deep space is His. Everything is His. He is the creator. Everybody said amen. So, Joseph, Joseph and Mary are there and the Bible said in verse 51, when they didn't understand what Jesus had said, it said he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Well, whoever it is, whether it's mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or aunt or uncle or whoever. The key prepositional phrase that your Bible teaches in the Lord. In the Lord. If somebody's not in subjection, if somebody's not being obedient, there was a, a true account of a, a young girl, I believe she might have been Cambodian, in California, where they have a large population of people from that part of the world. And um, she got invited to church. She went. She loved it. She was so excited. And, uh, but her family was against it, her mom, her dad. They all rose up against her. And they forbid her to go back to the church. So she would tell everybody she was going to sleep. She'd head into her bedroom a little early. She'd promptly open the window and sneak out and go to church. Normally, we wouldn't say that was a good thing, except in this case, in the Lord. Somebody was restricting. Somebody wasn't living for God. 
Somebody didn't have the right attitude. And God is above all. That young lady got baptized in Jesus' name. She was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And as she matured and turned 18, she married a young man that was in the church that was also of the same nationality. And today, they pastor a church. You know, is, is the person in the Lord? Or is this just somebody that it's their flesh and they're filled with the wrong spirit? So believe me, it's very, very, very important to remember that prepositional phrase, in the Lord, in the Lord. And everybody said amen. All right, so, you know, Mary spoke the word as a guiding voice in his life at a young age, and he became subject. He said, okay, now we're talking about God in the flesh. We're talking about, you know, this is not an ordinary child. We're talking about the Spirit of the Lord chose to show himself in flesh. God, who is a spirit, was manifest or clearly shown in the flesh. And that's what Mary had standing in front of her. And yet she's telling him, you know, like the six foot six, 330, boy, you better listen to me. Well, I'll whoop you. <laughs> and so Jesus subjected himself. He was a good example. And he, he went home with, with Mary and supposedly his father, Joseph. And eventually they were brothers and sisters, and there was a life and a family. And there were chores, and there were lots of things, until the right time came. And when it was the right time for his showing unto Israel, which seemed to be approximately 30 years old, then he began to go forth, throughout the villages, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But please note that he was in subjection at that time. The great eternal God, like a furnace inside that body. And yet, there was a subjection. Got to do things right. Got to do things correctly. Got to be a, a right example. Okay? If you want your child to do it right, then you've got to do it right. You know? It's not going to do any good to say, well, you go ahead and go to church. Mm, that's kind of rough. Better that you lead by example. Yeah. Better that they see you doing things according to the book and being in subjection to the leadership in the church. That's far better. Far better. Because they're going to wonder how come they're being told one thing and you're doing another. You're going to wonder about that. Got to be in subjection. Everybody said amen. All right, I want to take a look at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to read two verses. One of them is verse 17. Now, this is when Jesus had sent forth about 70 disciples 
And the Bible said in verse 17, the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Even the devils have to obey. Even the devils have to recognize the power and the authority that's in your name that we bear, that we have. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Once again, realizing when you're born again, you're in the body of Christ, what you have, what God has imparted to you, okay? That this isn't just religion. The world is filled with religion. Man's ideas on how to get to heaven their own way is not what we're a part of. We are trying to hold ourselves in subjection to God and His Word because we recognize that we're a continuation of what He started. And we want to keep it, we want to do our part to keep it going. And that means that we've got to be in subjection. We've got to do what God says through His Word. We've got to listen to Him. Even to the point that we deny ourselves. And the Bible said if, if we, we don't deny ourselves, then we're not worthy of Him. So it's, again, you know, you, you can choose Him or you can choose her, but you're supposed to be choosing Him. Okay? Laterally is not the way we want to go. Vertical. We want to lift up our hearts with our hands to the God of heaven who is the author of it all. We want to submit to Him. We want to listen to Him. We want to obey Him. Everybody said amen. All right. Now in this same chapter, verse 20, once again I'll repeat, notwithstanding this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice. Get it right. Get it right. Why you're happy. Why you're excited. Not because you got the devil under your feet so much, but because the result of that is that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That in that day, the books are going to be opened. And the book of life is going to be opened. And whosoever's name is not found there is going to be cast into the lake of fire. Oh, God, let our names be there. No wonder the prayer was prayed by one of his men. Blot not my name out of thy book. Oh, God, please. Aren't we so fortunate in the time period known as grace that we live in that we can repent daily? We can get it straightened out every day. We can get washed and rewashed in the blood of the Lamb. That according to 1 John 
1, 8, and 9, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins when we confess them unto him. So you, you want to update every day. You want to just update with him and make a good repentance. Get things going and keep things going in the right direction. Be in subjection and keep his word, keep his teachings that you're being taught from the book. Okay, everybody said praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, moving along. Romans chapter 8. Come to Romans, you get a lot of very deep teaching from the Apostle Paul as he was inspired by God to expound things to the body of Christ, to the church, not only then, but down through all these generations and uh, centuries, even just about two millenniums, almost 2,000 years. And... Uh, we learn about the law of the spirit of life and how we've been made free from the law of sin and death. In, in chapter 8, and verse 7, he said here something that we need to pay a lot of attention to because we probably all got a little country in us. We get sought in our ways, right? Yeah, Lord. We get a little bit stubborn. <gasps> Not us. Yes, us. We get a little bit stubborn. We have those moments, and then we're like, did I say that? Did I do that? No way. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. But we have those moments. He said, verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. That means enemy. The carnal mind, the natural mind, is the enemy of God. Went on to say, for it is not subject. The carnal mind don't want to do it what God says. And that's how we're born into this world. Everybody said amen. amen. That's how we're born into this world. We are absolutely born in sin. We are shapen in unlawlessness or iniquity. And we just feel like we can do whatever we want. I think um, I have no political leanings. I'm not involved with politics at all. I casted my vote 47 years ago, vertically, and I'm staying with that, okay? I don't have any faith in the system down here, but I think that from what it's kind of showing is that this country is very close to being evenly divided. And you've got those that are claiming they want to believe in God and they want to do things according to his teachings. I realize that's them saying it, and I realize that that's denominational thinking uh, when they say it. I realize that their idea of Christian is nowhere near what this Bible teaches. But in their definition of it, probably about 
half the country feels that way. And the other half are very, very liberal. They don't want anything to do with God. They don't want anything to do with the Bible. They, they, they want to do things completely different. And they feel like that that should be okay. And they are changing laws and have changed them. And they're, uh, I guess they're protesting now because they're unhappy with there was a race and somebody won the race and somebody lost the race. And so they're mad. What can I say? I think that's being a bad sport, but what can I say? Uh, that's the world. That's their business, and I don't intend to get involved with it. I want to, I want to hold my head up and keep my eyes on the Lord, and I want to go forward. Uh, there's not a whole lot of time left in this dispensation or period of time in which God is dealing with man. And this is the final roundup. It's very close. And he is wanting the church to reap the harvest that is plenteous. He wants us to focus on what it is we're supposed to be doing. Okay, he wants us to be making our plans and our, get our vision to be his vision, to be at one with him. Everybody said amen. 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 And so keep in mind, the nat or rather keep it uh, sharp, that the carnal mind is the enemy against God because it's not subject to the law of God. And neither indeed can be. It doesn't have the ability, the natural mind, the carnal mind. I just don't get it. Well, that's because you're carnal. You know? I had somebody say that we were not zoned to have a school here. And so I went down to the city and I had them pull up the minutes of the meeting. And... Uh, Sure enough, it was right there that they gave us a variance and everything was okayed and it's right there. And I told somebody, I said, well, don't be upset with the individual so much that they made that false statement. I said, because when we went to the city and when we got approved, that person wasn't even born yet. You know? So... There are a lot of things that people say and act in certain ways. But long before they ever got here, God put his word. And it's forever settled in heaven. And it's right and it's correct. And it, there's not going to be any change in it. Okay? What God, the way God set, set things in order... And what he says is right and the way it's to be done. It's right. It's right. People are going to fight against it. People are going to rail against it. People are going to take issue with it. People are going to make laws. They're going to do all kinds of things. But uh, it's not going to change God's word. His word is forever settled in heaven. Okay? He said, look, every little accent is going to come to pass of his word. Okay, not one thing is going to fail. It's going to happen. Okay, just as God said it would happen. No matter how mad people get, no matter how much they protest, no matter how ugly they get, 
I saw a picture in the newspaper. It was really quite contradictory because the people were, were protesting. They were saying to get rid of the hatred. The faces, the contortions of their faces in the picture that was taken of them protesting was nothing but hatred. <laughs> and I'm saying, well, you better get rid of what you got than if, if that's what you're saying needs to be gotten rid of. You better start with yourself. And that's what I'm telling you. It does start with us individually. We're born in sin, every one of us. And we all come short of God's glory. He's got a plan. And as, a, as the Spirit, He chose, as the Father, He chose to come Himself in the flesh. Now, where was He going to get that flesh from? Well, He got that flesh by speaking the Word over an obedient individual who would subject themselves to his power and his authority. And that was Mary. And she brought forth that man-child. Okay? That was foretold of and prophesied about. John the Revelator, chapter 12 of Revelation, tells us about. And so, because... A person was obedient. The will of God advanced. The program of God advanced. That comes down to us, our individual lives. And you, you work with each thing that his word teaches and is being taught to you, and you subject yourself to it. You do it because it's right there. And I'm not going to fight God. I'm not going to be disobedient to God any longer. That life for me is over. So, again, he said, that carnal mind, that unborn-again mind, it can't, it's the enemy and it can't be in subjection. It just can't bring itself to do it. He said, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, it, that's it. There it is. That's why people who try to use their religion, it doesn't work. Okay? Making up your own way, thinking that God's going to honor it. You know, there are people that have convinced themselves that God's going to let them slide and that he's going to listen to to their excuses and their arguments. And that's not going to happen, church family. That's not going to happen. So either we're going to repent or not. And, and we're going to keep on repenting or not. We're going to be in subjection or not. We're going to be obedient or not. It's going to be very cut and dry. It's going to be very crystal clear. That's why it is written, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man. No excuse is going to work. Because the eternal God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever would believe, that would subject themselves to what he says, then they wouldn't perish, but they would have eternal life. So, what are we going to do? He said, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, I guess we're going to have to get out of the flesh, aren't we? He said, but ye are not in the flesh. He's talking to the church. 
but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, you're going to claim this Holy Ghost, and you're going to do what God's Word says, and you're being taught from God's Word. Okay? You're working with that and Him and those that are in the Lord. And that this precious, precious truth has been handed down from generation to generation, been preserved. That's a Bible word. Been preserved. You know, that's what the, the country people do. Nothing wrong with that. My, my pastor's wife, she, was, she could preserve things, friend. She'd get those fruit trees and guava and all that stuff, and, and she'd make it somehow and put it in that glass jar and put that sealed top on it and date it and put it up on the shelf. And uh, she was preserving it, keeping it from going bad. And this truth that Jesus Christ gave to his church, which he only started one church, he only birthed one church, but that one church was to reach everybody everywhere. There was to be no exceptions. Every island, every dialect, every skin color, every nation was to be reached. Everybody was to be given this truth. Everybody said amen. And that's what the church has been doing. The body of Christ has been doing, as I said, for almost 2,000 years now. And we're close. We're, we're coming very close to when the Lord shall return for His church, for the body of Christ. As it is written, the dead in Christ will rise first when He descends from heaven with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And that will be the last trump. And everybody said amen. Oh, yeah, and it's going to be a great mystery when the, when the dead in Christ rise and and we which are alive, who's ever alive at that time, operating, living for God, no matter how difficult the circumstances, they're going to be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be. Hence that song, ain't no grave going to hold his body down. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lord. But who's going? Those that are in subjection. That's who's going. Those that are obedient. Those that have put their will secondary to God's will. Now we know we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. The precious blood of the Lamb. That He did that for us. Did that for us. Everybody said amen. How thankful. No wonder it's written, be ye thankful. He said, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But they want to tell you in this religious world, just shake hands. Just sign a card. You know, or some such thing like that. Things that are not in the Bible. They, they tell you just only believe, but they don't ever explain biblically what it means to believe. Okay, And I'm going to tell you again, if, if, if the lights go out and I tell you that there's an electrical fire and the building is in flames, if you believe me, you're going out that door. 
Everybody said amen? amen. You're not going to sit there and, and just in a stupor. You're going to grab your babies, and you're going to grab your children, and you're going to grab yourself, and you're going out the door. All right, because you believe what's being told you. Well, hey, there's a fire. There's an eternal fire. There's a place called hell, and we want to shun that place. We don't want anything to do with that place. We don't want any. That's why we've got to sometimes there are things in this world and in this life that we have to say, I'm not having nothing to do with that. I'm not going near that. i got too much to lose. I've, I've got to subject myself. I've got to obey. I'm, I'm planning on making heaven. So if I've got to shut some things off, then I'm shutting them off. Because my goal is to make heaven. Because there's a trumpet going to sound. And the Lord is going to come for his church. And he's coming as a thief in the night. See, when he comes for the church, that's different than when he's going to come back and deal with this world at the final judgment. That's when every eye is going to see him. And that's when they're going to ask, where, where did you get those wounds in your hands? And he's going to say, in the house of my friends. They did this to me. Oh, yeah. But the church will already have been taken. The church will have already gone to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The church will return with him to the Mount of Olives. And the church will observe as he defeats the Antichrist with his army. And everybody said amen. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's be in subjection to God. I don't want to follow the Antichrist. I did that. I followed the ugly things of this world. I was going in the wrong direction. But the grace of God appeared unto my heart, my life. And it gave me the opportunity to repent. And I did. Gave me the opportunity to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of all of my sins. And I did. And it gave me the opportunity to receive the gift, the free gift of the Holy Ghost. Just like Mary, Peter, and James, and John, and others that your Bible shows you and teaches you in Acts chapter 2. When he began the only church he ever started. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak with other tongues or other languages. That's all that means. I told them. The man at the gas station last night, when I got some gas, I was running a little low, and, and uh, I said, Hapke Soho! I got no reaction. I said, okay, this guy is not from India. This guy is from Bangladesh. Well, I hadn't quite learned my Bangladesh yet. I've got one word. That's it. <laughs> so I looked at him, and I said, Bangladesh. He kind of, and I said, Valo! And he smiled and put his hand out. That meant good. That's all I know. One word, good. But I guess good is good, right? So I'm saying that uh, the difference is, church family, when we get the Holy Ghost, God is the one that's doing it. It's not us. And that's what this religious world hates. That's what the devil hates when God is exhibiting that he's in control. Satan wants to be in control. Satan wants to say he's the God of this world. Satan is going to show himself in the flesh as the son of perdition, that man of sin. And he's going to try to rule this world. 
and he's going to lead this whole world, Gog and Magog, against Jesus Christ at the Mount of Olives in Megiddo, where it will be Armageddon. That's what's going to happen. And he's going to get a whooping. <laughs> God is absolutely going to defeat him without hand and without remedy. You hear me? And people, the nations, the people of the nations are going to look at the one they followed. And they're going to say, is this, this is it? We followed this? Don't be too late then. Don't be too late because the church will be gone. And the church is the only, is the mother and what produces the children. When the church is gone, there's nothing left but judgment. There'll be no arguing that will work. Everybody said amen. Listen to, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. That's why we got to keep this body of sin under subjection. Because it's just like you can get you some beautiful black muck. It just looks so good, that pile sitting right in your lawn. And you get busy and you hadn't got around to getting it spread yet. And first news you know, little green things are popping out all over the place. Things that you couldn't see. All you saw was that nice, beautiful black muck. But now it's got all these green sprigs coming out. And the longer you wait, the more that takes over. And that's exactly what he's saying here. This old body has got to be dead. I've got to keep it dead through repentance. I've got to keep it dead through subjecting myself to God and his word and his leadership and his church. I've got to keep this to where I'm not doing the wrong things. The enemy's going to come around. He's going to try to get me to partake of the wrong things. You know, I brought a bottle of balsamic vinaigrette. I wanted to put it on my what I was eating, so I brought it into the place where I was eating at. And somebody asked me, "What you got there?" I said, balsamic vinaigrette. Here, take a look. And they did. Oh, okay, I just thought maybe you was, you know, nipping a little bit. I said, no, there won't be any nipping going on here. Like I told somebody not too long ago, I said I hadn't had a drink or any drugs in 50 years nearby since I've been in the church because God delivered us from that, and we're in subjection to God. We want to live for God. We want to do things His way. Everybody said amen. He's going to, he, <laughs> let's give him a big hand. Come on. Amen. That's why when people come here, we want them to know that they can be delivered. To be saved is to be delivered. That you're not going to need that anymore. You know, you're going to be, when God takes the old thing out, the sin, he replaces it with something new and better. He doesn't leave you empty. He gives you the gift of life, the gift of God, the Holy Ghost. And 
when he does it, he's judging you to have a believing heart. That he's telling you something through his word and you're reacting to it with action. You're believing. And as you do that, he sends forth his spirit, his Holy Spirit, into your believing heart. This is your heart, not this. And when he sends forth his spirit into your believing heart, he takes control. And that's a good thing because this thing here really given over to a lot of talk and a lot of gossip. But now his clean Holy Spirit has come in and he's taken control. He takes the most unruly member of your body, which is your tongue, and he tames it. And he speaks through you in another tongue or another language that you don't know. A woman and her husband came to church one time and she was so moved by the preaching that she came to the altar. She began to kneel down and lift up her hands and pray. Her husband just sat there watching. And God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And as she began to speak out in another language, the man sat up amazed. He came up to the altar and he said to the people around her, said, do you know what language she's speaking? And they were like, no. And he said, she's speaking Latin. He said, I took Latin in school. He said, I know. And I know that she doesn't know Latin. That's right. When God fills you with the Holy Ghost and sends forth his spirit into your believing heart, he does the talking in whatever language he chooses to use. Matter of fact, the Bible even said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Anybody here speak angel? We got a little boy here's name is angel, and I don't think angel speaks angel. <laughs> Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. God love your heart. All right. So, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You're not going to heaven. You're not going to be in the church. You're not going to be one of his without the gift of the Holy Ghost. You've got, that's how you get the Spirit of Christ. You don't get the Spirit of Christ by signing a card or shaking the preacher's hand or just saying, I believe. That's not what the Bible teaches. Okay? And that's the essence of Romans chapter 10, okay? When you believe in your heart, that's right here. When you believe in your heart, that's what he's saying, that God sends forth his spirit into your heart, crying, Abba, which means Father. You become a child of the King. It's not you doing it. It's not mechanical. People think if they profess and they just say, I believe. That's not what the Bible is teaching. It is not mechanical church. I mean, it is not natural. That's carnal mindedness, which is the enemy of God. Okay? God is in control, and He's to be in control. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead. You're not doing the old things.
because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. You're being taught the right way according to God's mind to do things. Okay? So there's some things I used to do since I've been born again. I don't do those things anymore. There's some places I used to go. But since I've been born again, I don't go those places anymore. There's some activities that I used to partake in that since I've been born again, I don't partake in those activities anymore. There's some people that I used to hang out with and do things with that since I got born again, I, I don't go with them anymore. I don't hang out with them anymore. not involved with that anymore. I remember a man that uh, got so mad that I started living for God. And he just decided to, he said, I'll bet you I can throw the football further than you. And I said, well, I'll do the little contest with you. I said, but I'm not going to bet. Oh, he got so mad. He got so mad. Why not? Last week you would have bet me. I said, well, last week I wasn't baptized in Jesus' name. My life has changed. Oh, he was furious. He was furious. We, ne we never did have the contest. He didn't even want to talk to me anymore. And that was okay. Not a problem. He would have lost anyway. But Everybody said, praise the Lord. I say that humbly. Um, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, that's talking about the spirit and the flesh. Get that straight. Please. Okay? It's like a woman came to the door one time, and she, she told me that in the process of the conversation, she told me that when I said, well, who died on the cross? She said, God did. I said, well, honey, if God died on the cross, we all can just give it up right now. Because if God is dead, it's all over. But God didn't die because God's a spirit. What died on the flesh, on the cross, was the flesh. What Mary gave birth to, what they crucified, and what rose again from the dead on the third day. Okay? All right. So spirit in flesh. That's why the Bible said to wit or sense God, who is a spirit, was in Christ, that is, was in the flesh. He was reconciling or bringing the world back to himself that had been separated from him by carnality or by sin. Everybody said amen? All right. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, you've received the Holy Ghost, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken or shall also quicken. That means he'll make you. Quicken means to make alive. He shall make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That's exactly what's going to take place at the first resurrection. When the dead in Christ are going to rise first, they're going to be made alive. They're going to hear his voice. And they're going to come out of the graves. And they're going to rise to everlasting life. And it's written as we which are alive and remaining and doing the will of God are then going to be caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at that last trump. And we're going to be with them 
to meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be, the Scripture says. You miss that, it's all over. There's no second, you know, there's not a bus coming by or a tram coming by or whatever coming by. It's the first resurrection or it's the wrong place. So this is not a game. This is for keeps. This is for real. Everybody said amen. Which brings me to conclusion. Again, Hebrews chapter 12, where we started. A lot of things are done because other people are getting the benefit. And he made it clear. He said, furthermore, we have had fathers or authorities of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? A lot of things we've subjected ourselves to. A lot of different things that we've listened to. But he said, a lot of times those were the people getting the gain. In this case, if you subject yourself to the Father of Spirits and live, you're the beneficiary. You're the one that's going to be gaining. We've often said, we have the best benefits from God because they're out of this world. And getting out of this world is, believe me, what you're going to want to do. Because this world isn't going to get any better. It's going to get worse. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. But for those that are in the church, it's an, it's an upward experience. It's, it's you having the hope of eternal life. It's you knowing where you're going to be for all eternity. Somebody said that after the first five minutes in hell, I said, five minutes? I said, no, 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 no. It's not even going to be five seconds. And, of course, there's not going to be any time. There's no Rolexes in hell. No, not at all. No, not at all. No, the first instant, instantaneously, that people are aware that they're lost and they're in the wrong place and there's never going to be getting out. Friend, that's it's going to be nothing but regret. Why didn't I listen to the preacher? Why didn't I obey what he preached from that word? Why didn't I repent? Why didn't I get the... Why did I ever quit the church? Why did I leave the church? Why did I do that? What was I thinking? You know? All ridiculous things because somebody failed to keep themselves or to put themselves in subjection. It's one thing to get saved because you repented, because you were baptized in Jesus' name, in water, and because you received the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced or signed by speaking with other tongues or languages as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. And that places you in the church, the body of Christ. 
It's not a church house. It's the body of Christ. The only church he ever started. The only body he has. But then, remember, the rest of the Bible, from Romans to Revelation, is telling you how to, now you're in subjection, telling you how to stay in subjection. How to keep that flesh dead. How to keep it, the Bible word, mortified. Rendered useless. Not going there anymore. Not doing that anymore. Not involved with that anymore. Not imbibing that anymore. Not snorting that anymore. Don't have that temper anymore. You know, got rid of those things. You know, got rid of that. Got delivered from that. Repented of that and got delivered from that. My life has changed. And that becomes such a great witness to people everywhere you go. That you're not just talking, but you're walking. They see the change in your life. They see the change in your attitude. And the change is for the good. And sometimes they won't like it. My family and my wife's family, and here we were. <laughs> I was told about a preacher. He, uh, his, his stepdad beat him over the head with a baseball bat. And he consequently was damaged. And they told him he would never be anything, just a lump of flesh. <laughs> but as I often say, people don't factor in God. They don't count on God. And God took that Charlie Wycliffe with his beat-in head. And God made a preacher out of him. And he'd pray all night long. One time the police came to the church house because they thought a dog was loose in the church house. It was just Charlie in there praying. Woo, 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 woo. But you know what? God spoke that language. God understands every grunt, every groan, every sigh. He understands it all. And... Uh, so Charlie was preaching that night. Of course, he didn't, couldn't put much together. And while he was preaching, all of a sudden he turned around. His two long-haired facial junk walked in the door, all raggedy and all nasty and all lost. And all of a sudden, Charlie turned and he said, if you two hippies don't get to this altar, he said, you're going to die and go to hell. Foom! They came to the altar, and God filled them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. <laughs> we serve a great God. Don't you ever forget how great He is. Amen. And amen. And amen. And that He can take old sorriness like us, and He can change us for the good. He can deliver us from sin. And He can make us happy if we'll just be in subjection to the Father of Spirits. You're not going to get happiness out there. Got a good job. Got a little bit more money. I had a, a guy that was in the church, and I loved him very much, my wife and I. He was so good to us. We were brand new, and he, he would drive me to work, give me a ride. We didn't have a car. Sold the car to pay for the first baby. And, and uh, 
So we, we, uh, he was, uh, unfortunately, there came a time when he no longer lived for God. He, his job, he did good. He was going up the ladder, making more money. They had two children. Next thing you know, he's getting free tickets, free this and free that. So every weekend, they were going off to Orlando. Pretty soon, they, they weren't coming to church. Pretty soon, they weren't living for God. And pretty soon, true account I'm giving you, I can put the names to it. Pretty soon, they were divorced. Kids got married. The girl was a little older. She knew the truth, even as a five, six, seven, and eight-year-old child. But now she's divorced. The boy has grown up, college educated. He never learned anything about the church because they went out. He gets married. He gets divorced. Oh, as one man said, who had walked away from everything after years driving down the road, he stopped by Church of the Faith that he knew. And he sat there and he listened to the songs. He beheld the worship. And he cried out and he said, Oh, how I miss this. How I miss it. But you know, when you leave and you're not in subjection, it's not so easy to get back. That flesh is wild. Wild by nature. And it gets out of control and it it gets in control. So when God gives us an opportunity and we find ourselves by His grace, and it, it is by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. That is the Holy Ghost. I asked a woman one time, I had a shirt on, said something about the gift of God. I said, do you know what the gift of God is? She said, no, sir, I don't. <laughs> I said, it's the Holy Ghost. She said, thank you, sir, for telling me that. Oh, yeah. A lot of people say a lot of things and don't know what they're talking about. They've been told things and they don't know and understand anything. And God, I'm trying to say, is he's so kind to deliver us and put us in subjection to his laws and his word and the things that are eternally right. And you want to keep that. And you want that to keep you. Everybody said amen. All right, we love you. Let's stand together. Brother Thomas and company is coming. Let's give our God a big hand, shall we? Amen. All right. Love and appreciate each and every one of you. And, uh, you know, you, we've just got to sometimes get a hold of ourselves, church family. We've got to. We've got to tell ourselves, I'm not going to allow this flesh of mine to get out of control again. I'm not going to have that carnal mind. I don't want to be the enemy of God. I want to be the friend of God. Amen. Now, what God called Amen? Friend. Friend of God. I want to be God's friend. They told a true account. I told this before. The man was a, uh, from Hollywood. California.
He was an actor, pretty well known. Um, I think he has Alzheimer's now. But back then, when he was running full out, he uh, rented a limo. He had a friend with him. And they, he told the driver, instructed him to go down into the neighborhood, into the hood. When they got there, they saw two guys standing out on the basketball court just bouncing the ball. I went to a place of business where we bought the wood for the baseboard and the casing and everything. And the man's son, I said, man, that kid's got to be at least six foot nine or ten. He said, yep, he is. I said, wow, he's up there, <laughs> head in the clouds. Well, this guy, looking at two pretty tall guys out on the basketball court, bouncing the ball in the neighborhood. And they pulled up in the limo some distance away from the court. The guy, the celebrity, gets out, shuts the door, and walks up to the court. Thought he'd see what they were hustling. So he said, uh, would you guys like to play a little game, two on two? <laughs> and they're looking down at this little short stuff, and they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we'd like that. $1,000 a point? Oh, yeah. Oh, and these guys are just thinking, boy, you got chump. We're going to take you for everything you got. We're going to celebrate later. He said, it's okay if I have my partner join me and we'll, we'll have two on two. They said, get him, man. Go right ahead. So the celebrity turned to the limo and he made a little signal. And out stepped Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know about that $1,000 point? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Suddenly realize who your friend is. Yeah. Well, I've had my friend step out many a time for me. His name is Jesus Christ. And he's better than Michael. He's better than anybody. No, no, slant, no slant on Michael. He's better than anybody. He's the best. He's the greatest. He's the giver of life. And life eternal at that. Yes, amen. amen. He raises me up off of my sickness. When I'm down and I'm, I'm just in trouble with sickness, he heals me. He always has. Always been my healer. Amen. And everybody said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes, sir. He's my Savior. Amen. Come on now, church family. What a great God we serve. Let's remember who we're serving. Let's remember what we got. Let's stay in subjection to the Father of Spirits. Let's be willingly obedient. And everybody said amen. Amen. Well, let's say God bless the offering. God bless the offering. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right. I will sing unto the Lord 
Oh, he is worthy to be praised. I will sing. 